for our final presentation of Business 121 Financial Planning and Money Management, we will discuss the final chapter of life, death. Why? Because, as we've learned, the two things that are certain in life is death and taxes, and we've already done taxes. Now's the time for to do the death thing. Well, we don't call it death planning. We call it estate planning. Doesn't that sound nicer? What is your estate? Your estate consists of your possessions, everything you own. An estate plan is how you set up to administer and distribute your property during your life. Those are called gifts. Or after your death, and those are called inheritances or bequeathments. Estate planning is not just for the wealthy, folks. If you own a home, especially in California, or if you have children, you need estate planning. Now, let's get something out of the way, all right? Nothing in this presentation is meant to be construed as legal advice. I'm three years of law school and one bar exam from being, from being able to give legal advice in the state of California. How long is law school? Three years, right. <laughs> and if you take business law here at Southwestern Community College, you know a whole lot more than me because my business law professor was drunk all the time. So anyway, um, <laughs> he once gave us the wrong exam. We were all looking at each other like, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. And he goes, oh my goodness, I guess I gave you the wrong exam. Anyway, um, so go, go take Business 140 and learn a lot about business and law. But still, leave the legal advice to the professionals. Estate planning includes both building your estate, what we've been discussing all along, the accumulation phase, and then transferring your state upon your death. And also in this chapter, I hope you will um, take in the, uh, the, the distribution phase. We discussed the distribution phase. And you've built up your nest egg. Now, how do you uh, um, draw it down? And remember, stay away from annuities. They sound exciting, right? Guaranteed, guaranteed mediocre, horrible results. Slide number... 38. Most people give little or no thought to putting their personal and financial affairs in order for their families that survive them. If you have a child, at the very least, you need to name a guardian. Don't expect that you, the person you think is going to become the guardian becomes the guardian. If you don't name them, the court decides for you. And then the distribution of your belongings. The demands of daily living can keep people from thinking about death Plus, it just ain't fun to think about your own mortality, is it? Plan now while you are in good health. <sighs> Many people procrastinate until some life-threatening illness or near-death accident scares them into acting. Estate planning is especially important for non-traditional households and businesses. Unmarried partners, partners in a business, happy relate well now gay relationships are recognized by the government. You can get married and have the same rights and responsibilities that uh, other people have had for, you know, whatever, however long. Marriage, I have a hard time believing this, but it's over a thousand rights and responsibilities that you get when you get married. I, I have a hard, I, I couldn't name that many, certainly couldn't name half that many, but the lawyers can tell you all the different rights and responsibilities you get when you get... <laughs> 
hitch dump. <laughs> Slide number 40. Um, there are jokes along that right. Yeah, remember we talked about how the, the single women are happier than the married women and married men are happier than single men? Yeah. Okay, hire a lawyer or should you go it alone? Slide number 40. Well, what did we say about taking out your own appendix? Yeah, I know, I know. The lawyers have us over a barrel. Wait till you see the... The uh, the 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 one the one we're going to talk about today with probate how they how they get us coming and going, but before there were lawyers, how did we settle disputes? Pistols at dawn, swords. Yeah, I'll pay the lawyer two hundred bucks an hour to 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 deal with. I don't want I don't want I don't want to get shot at. Okay, now if you want to have a lawyer help you in the state of California and you believe you do need one, you're going to pay probably upwards of three to $500 for a will. But if you really need the lawyer, you're probably going to want to get a trust, which is going to cost you anywhere from 1000 to $1,500, give or take. So why would you need a will? Why would you need a trust? Wait till we get to that in our discussion. But but you're going to need one of the, one or the other. Well, again, the the lawyer will decide, not me. This is not meant to be um, uh, legal advice in the state of California. Yes, it, it's just telling you that's what you can expect. Should you go it alone? Well, there are books, software, pre-printed forms, websites to help you do it. And, you know, if you don't have kids, if you don't have property, have a lot of assets, how much? We'll see later. It's $100,000 worth of gross assets. Then you can probably use one of these, No Low, which is actually a very good website. Legal Zoom. I like that name. H&R Block's getting into the act. Do your own will. And there are others. So so don't go it alone, dear students. Um, get a good lawyer. I can give you a good referral. And there are many good lawyers out there and there are many not so good lawyers just like there's many not so good doctors and teachers and fire department people and all that stuff everybody you know you get a good referral what does estate planning involve slide 41 we're going to create review and update the will trust etc on a regular basis especially if you get married divorce or move to another state now this document called a codicil I don't know why they call it a codicil. Why don't they just call it an amendment? But they call it a codicil, so it's only going to be on the exam. But it just it's just a document used to amend an existing estate document. Usually, depending on what happened, they're going to do it all over again anyway. You're going to need to name an executor. And we'll discuss the executor in just a minute. Consider creating and managing a trust or trust. Most all Californians, once we've entered the benevolent machine and we're trading our, our life for our paycheck, our peck check for our mortgage, would benefit from a trust. But you let the lawyer decide that. that is not to meant, it's not meant to be construed as legal advice. We'll discuss a letter of last instruction, which is really not a legal document. It's just something to help people deal with the all the minutiae and details of your life after you're gone. Organize current financial records and documents and let family members know where they are. 
And how do we do this? Remember our net worth statement? There you go, folks. The net worth statement becomes the inventory of your estate. Make sure the, the account uh, numbers are there and the phone numbers and who to call for certain things. Financial investments, retirement accounts, the home, any other real estate, any business interests, insurance policies. So they don't find seven years later that, oh, he had an insurance policy for 50 grand. Antiques, arts, collectibles. Uh, be careful. The relatives have a tendency to <laughs> swoop these things up. And then, of course, all your important documents. So on our net worth statement are, are all the different accounts that uh, my wife would have to deal with, or if the two of us were to pass away at the same time, my son in this case, and because he's the, as we'll discuss, the, the, the successor trustee. He's going he's gonna to basically be the executor when, uh, when we're gone. Okay, so make an inventory of your estate. Now, on the board in the face-to-face -face class, we would write on one side wills and then on the other side trusts. Okay, so maybe you want to have a sheet of paper with one side says wills, the other side says trust. Because you hear about the will, a legal declaration of a person's mind as to the disposition of his or her property after death. In other words, who gets what? Marriage, divorce, affect your will. It may remo revoke your will or change it depending on the state you live in. If you marry or divorce, you're probably going to want to get a whole new set of estate documents anyway. So talk to your attorney. The legal costs to prepare a will vary from how complex how complex it is. And in California, expect to pay anywhere from two to five hundred dollars. But although I don't recommend it, folks. You could probably do your own will without creating a legal nightmare for your heirs. Or you could create a legal nightmare for your heirs, okay? So so you the problem is you won't know because you'll be dead. And these uh, websites will help you. They'll ask you questions about whether you could use a will or whether you need to look it into a trust. But, um... But uh, but get a good lawyer, okay? Okay, all right, enough of that piano. 44... It intestate and probate. What great names, what great words to throw about. Intestate. He died intestate. Oh my goodness. Oh, uh, did he have his clothes on? No, no, it does. <laughs> no, doesn't it sound obscene? Intestate. No, no, no. It just means you die without a will, right? Um, if you die without a will, what happens? Right, the state you, you of your residence decides what your will is going to be. They decide who's going to get what assets. They decide who is going to be the guardian for your children. And it's very complicated if you have, you know, children from one fam one marriage and another marriage. So so make sure you um, don't die intestate. And then the probate court validates the will, make sure your debts are paid and make sure that the items go to who they intend to go. But probate is a process that many of us in not all states, but especially California is one of them. We try to avoid at all costs. And that's how we're going to, how we're going to do that. We'll discuss it later. We do it with a trust. So we'll discuss how we avoid probate or how lawyers help us pro avoid probate by using a living trust. Okay. But just know that probate is in the California, at least, 
something we want to avoid. Slide 45. Now, in the case of a will, you want to choose an executor. Executor executes the um, provisions of the will. Before you name somebody, talk to them first. Are they capable? Are they trustworthy? Are they willing to accept this big responsibility? It's a serious responsibility, and it's an even more serious task choosing somebody. You can choose co-executor. You can, you can have your attorney or a trust company be one executor and a friend or family member and the, the other co-executor. And you can have them run around and pay them 50 bucks or 75 bucks an hour to do, to do the work. And then the lawyer, the attorney or the trust company or the attorney for the trust company will make sure that the important tasks are done correctly at 250 bucks an hour. Make sense? Because the executor's got to do a lot of running around and finding all the uh, different deeds and, and, and accounts and all that stuff. Here's, here's, here's their, their tasks on slide 46. They take control of your assets. They get your checkbook. They file an inventory of assets and liabilities with the court. They sell assets if necessary to pay liabilities. They distribute those assets based on the instructions in the will, and then they turn around and make a final accounting to the court. They have enormous power, dear students, and there are countless stories of abuses of that power, so please choose carefully and this is where stuff can get really sticky because people it brings out the best and worst in people when there's asset when there are assets to be distributed M make sure you choose carefully now slide 47 even if you don't have money assets if you have a child or children you still need a will to at least name a guardian. Again, this is not to be construed as legal advice in the state of California. Because the guardian assumes the responsibility for providing the child or children with personal care, managing the estate for them. Make sure the person is willing and able to raise them. See if their values and child-rearing practices match yours. And sometimes there can be ugliness if you don't name the guardian. Who's going to take care of the children? So make sure you name a guardian. They're willing and able. You trust them. And you can, as the child gets old enough or children get older, you can even talk to the children about it because, you know, they're, they're people too. They don't see everything we see, but they see other things that we forgot a long time ago. So talk to them about um, who they would want to be with and what would happen because they, they're not stupid. You know, they're kids, but they're, they, they, they see a lot of things that we don't, we adults. It's because you know, it was so long ago and we're trying to keep them alive, feed, fed and clothed and sheltered. So uh, even if you don't have many assets, you need a will at the very least to name a guardian. Slide 48. Now, a prenup agreement has really, it's part of estate planning in a tangential sense. But, but it's something that you really should think about. And what did we say way back in Chapter 1? What's the most important financial decision you're going to make in your lifetime? Who you marry. So a prenup agreement, of course, you've heard about these in the news, especially the Gossam columns. They waive rights to each other's property that was acquired before the marriage. And essentially what you're doing is you're agreeing on a settlement before you get married in the case of you divorcing, which is not something you want to talk about when you're thinking about marrying somebody. What happens if we get divorced? But it's very important for couples who already have children or assets or both. 
at least talk to a lawyer about the advantages and disadvantages of a prenuptial agreement before getting married. And if your would-be spouse refuses to even discuss a prenuptial agreement, that should serve as a disturbing omen. Don't say I didn't warn you. Right? I want these words to be ringing in your ear as you're walking down that aisle. This is the most important financial decision I will make in my life. Well, actually, dear students, it's the most important financial decision at all. What was, you know, I think it was Socrates, you know, 2,500 years ago said, you will only make one decision in this life, to marry or not, and you'll regret either one. Anyway, slide number 49, a living will. Well, you don't hear, you hear still, you still hear people calling it living will, but you hear more and more advanced healthcare directive, which I guess is a better title, advanced healthcare directive, what's going to happen before I'm in trouble? It provides for your wishes if to be followed if you become so physically or mentally disabled that you are unable to act on your behalf. What's the term? Persistent vegetative state. Discuss your living will with those close to you. Sign and date it before two witnesses. Give copies to those close to you. It requires careful thought. Actually, no. It's a no-brainer. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. You know, you're going to get one of these when you do your estate planning documents because the lawyer is just going to throw them in there. They, and in fact, our legal club was going around to the campus and just giving out advanced healthcare directives. They were just boilerplate documents that you just have to get two witnesses and you say, yeah, I don't want to be kept alive. You know, pull pull the plug document, as some people call it, which is not the very nice way of calling it. But yeah, if I'm in a coma and it looks like I'm going to be there for the next 16, 20 years, please don't keep me alive. Yes. Slide 50. Power of attorney. Now, again, this is something that's tangentially. It's it, often they'll throw it in there with the uh, with tangentially connected to to the will and the and the doc the other trust documents and all those, but the lawyer will throw it in there. And this is a legal document authorizing someone to act on your behalf. Now it can be very limited, or give a great deal of power. You can give somebody all the the uh, the um, power to do whatever you want with whatever they want with your assets. Yeah, you can see how this could turn bad pretty quickly. If you're in the military, you know all about these because before you go abroad, they're going to make you sign one so that somebody could sell your car when you're not there or whatever. Um, you don't necessarily need one until such time as you are incapacitated. Uh, so uh, talk to your lawyer. Now, the durable power of attorney for healthcare. Is something along like something akin to the advanced healthcare directive that allows somebody to make decisions on your behalf should you become um, disabled or incapacitated in a healthcare sense. Again, with the as with the executive of your state, choose carefully who you give the power of attorney to because they will be in control of your assets. Okay, okay, now. So that's another uh, document that goes along with the estate planning documents and you may or may not need. Slide 51. We made mention of the letter of last instruction. This is not a legal document. It has no, it's not enforceable. All it's there is for 
information. Uh, your, your, you should include your funeral preferences. Who do you want notified? Where are certain things? Assets and debts. And, and who gets personal effects that are of little value? And for example, my father had a, had a, we had the same, I'm actually a junior, believe it or not. So we had the same first name, but I never used junior. Um, and uh, he had this wonderful little, beautiful little uh, uh, card, uh, business card holder. And so my aunt, who was the executor, his, his sister, gave it to me personally and didn't have to, you know, go through the, the legal documents at, at $200 an hour. So, if, so you have a nice lamp that, you know, your cousin likes or whatever. You just just give it to them, you know, don't, don't, don't bother the courts with something like that. Cool. That's the letter of and last instruction. All right. Now, so those all were separate documents that, that you're going to get thrown in with the will or the trust. Now let's talk about the trust. Because these are tricky, folks. Trusts are tricky. Some people use the software programs, the websites, to create them for themselves. You can do this, dear students. But if you screw up, your actions can result in outcomes that typically range from useless to potentially disastrous. And I can give you an example of a friend of mine who we ride bikes with. We have a group of ride bikes. And he has a substantial um, estate that he's going to basically bequeath to his th three, three they're grown children, and one of which is a very irresponsible man who lives on the streets and is, uh, you know, has a serious alcohol problem. And so he's, he's asking me all these questions because I tell him we, you know, we discuss wills and trusts and at the very end of the Business 121 class, and he's asking me all these questions about trust. And I keep saying to him, Ron, you know, you really, you really need to talk to a lawyer. I mean, I can't, I can just tell you what I know. I can't give you legal advice. I, I you know, I, can't, I, can't, I can get a lot, anybody can get in a lot of trouble for doing that. And he kept questioning me and questioning me. And then finally, another woman who rides with us, who's a doctor, said, Ron, <laughs> that's not his real name, by the way. Um, you know, Frank's already said he can't help you. You know, you got to go to a lawyer. And he goes, I'm not going to those lawyers. They charge so much. And I said, that's it. I ain't saying another word. Because, again, if you screw up, listen to me, you can, your actions range from typically useless. It's as if you never even created the trust in the first place. Or potentially disastrous. You can lose control of your assets. So let's go back to the top of slide 52 now and, and start with what a trust is. It's a legal arrangement. It's a legal thing in the in in the in the legal world. In the, in the world of of uh, legalese, it becomes this this entity, an arrangement through which a trustee holds your assets for your benefit or for that of your beneficiaries. So now what's going to happen? You're going to create this legal entity and name somebody to watch over it. So the trustee takes care of or man and or manages your property. But in some trusts, you are your own trustee. That's why it's called a living trust or sometimes called an inter vivos trust. The real name is revocable living trust because you can revoke it. There are irrevocable trusts that once you've set up, that's it. You can't mess with them. 
The trustee distributes your assets to your heirs from the trust after you die, according to your instructions. Well, wait a minute. If I'm the trustee, who's going to do it after I die? That's the successor trustee. That's basically the executor, right? They now are in charge after you pass away. All assets or most all your assets are taken out of your name and put in the name of the trust or the trusts. So here's what happens sometimes if they don't, people don't figure it out. They create the trust. They do all the paperwork and they go down to the courthouse and they file the paperwork, pay the fee or whatever. And the trust is created. Okay, there it is. But they don't fund the trust. That's the term you hear them use. Fund the trust. That means they don't take the house, put it in the name of the trust. They don't take the uh, the uh, the investments or the business or whatever and put them their properties in the name of the trust. And so what you just did is worthless because you're not going to do what the trust is meant to do, and that's avoid probate. Okay, so that's typically useless. Okay, well, you didn't do any harm. You just didn't do what you were trying to do. But if you create the trust wrong or create the wrong kind of trust or do things not correctly, you could wind up, as I said, disastrous and lose control of your assets. So, so talk to a lawyer, please. <laughs> Slide 53. What are the possible benefits of trust? Well, as we've been saying over and over again throughout this presentation, and we'll go back to again, you're going to avoid probate. Uh, more later about probate in California. Why is that a big deal? It can reduce your state taxes, but that's not an issue for most of us, as we'll see, because it's, you know, $11 million for a single person, 22, over 22 million for a married couple. It frees you from managing your assets if you find somebody else to be the trustee, or you can be the trustee of your own trust and you manage the assets as if you know, nothing ever changed. And trust can provide income for surviving spouses or, or other dependents because they can be extremely helpful for people whose children or grandchildren are either disabled or emotionally unprepared for a windfall inheritance. 18-year-old all of a sudden finds that they have $1.2 million. What's going to happen? You know it's going to happen. It's going to be gone in three years. Right. I've known somebody who did that. Who would, I mean, He was bequeathed $800,000. And when he turned 18, in three years, it was all gone. Oh, boy. Slide number 54. Here are just a few of the types of trusts. Now, we're not going to try to even explain all of them because I don't know what all of them mean, and I do know a few of them. But what's the most important one? It's the revocable living trust or the inter vivos trust. And this is what the lawyer is probably going to give you. Again, the lawyer decides. Uh, you might do with an AB trust, which is basically the cousin of the revocable living trust. But look at this. Do you know what these mean? Uh, a couple of them make sense. A generation skipping trust. Right. I don't want to give my, mo my money to my ingrateful, ungrateful children. I want to give it to my great children, my, my grandchildren, because they're great and they're grateful. Or a private annuity trust. What does that do? I don't know. What's this spendthrift trust? That's the trust that you would use. I think you can put a provision in the, uh, the revocable living trust. If you're afraid that the person getting the money is going to just blow it because they don't know how to handle money. And you can create a spendthrift provision or a spendthrift trust for them. So, so again, you know, do you know, even know where to start? No, don't try that's why people go to law school for three years 
and then then they really start learning when they actually have to give people recommendations. So yes, um, let's take a look at California and the Living Trust. Revocable Living Trust, AB Trust, Intervivos Trust, I think is their, their legal term. Intervivos means while you're alive. Are used to avoid probate and in some cases reduce state, state taxes. If you're a California resident who owns property or has any substantial net worth, your estate will most likely benefit from some sort of living trust, not to be construed as legal advice in the state of California. Figure you're going to spend at least a thousand, maybe fifteen hundred. You still see the advertisements for four ninety five, a living trust, no, no further fees. I don't believe it. I think that's just to create the trust. Then, the, oh, you want it funded? Oh, we're going to charge you more for that. But I don't know. I never did that. I never, I never dealt with one of these people who, who still in the newspapers, uh, uh, offer a four hundred ninety five living trust. And of course, if you go online to nolo.com or do your own will or legal zoom, they'll set you one up for you know, a whole lot less than that. You've got to run around and do all the uh, the legwork. You've got to file the papers and do the quit claim deed, whichever, whatever that means, move the money, move the house, your house into the trust. Yeah. Please do not try to do your own trust. Why? Let's say it again. If you screw up, your actions can result in outcomes that range from useless to disastrous. Enough said. Here are the probate costs in California. So it starts at 100,000. We really should put down 100,000, but but let's say you have $200,000 gross assets, not net asset. Yeah. $200,000. Well, you can't even buy a dog house for $200,000 in California. Let's say you have a house that's worth about 500,000. If you don't do anything, the minimum probate fees for a few hours worth of work for the lawyers is $26,000. Die! You see why we say you need a trust? Possibly, probably. If you have, uh, right, exactly. And if you have the 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 um the living trust set up correctly, your probate fees are zero, assuming you find a good lawyer to set up the trust correctly. Yes, we, as we're alive, have to spend a thousand, two thousand dollars for a trust. So that our heirs are not hit with a $26,000 probate fee. Yes, I know that's why there's all kinds of jokes about lawyers. Because people get upset with the lawyers. But the lawyers make the laws. They are the ones who decide. And so we're skunked. We're, you know, again, do you want to go back to Pistols at Dawn? I don't think so. Slide 57. Okay, let's talk about taxes with regard to estate planning. Now, this, for the vast majority of us folks, will never be an issue. Never. The federal estate tax simply has an exclusion that, that simply says, you know, most of you people out there are never going to have to worry. It's the billionaires who have to worry, and they're the ones who've been paying some, some certain politicians to try to get rid of the estate tax. Um, there are some states that have an inheritance tax along with it. California is not one of them. And then there's a gift tax, huh? Well, to get around the estate tax, some very wealthy people would give their, their uh, assets to their heirs before they died. 
And so this Fed said, well, okay, now wait a minute now. You know, you can't really do this. So if you give more than $15,000 per year per person, you give the $15,000 as many people as you want every year. If you're married, you can double that. But if you give more, then you have two choices, one of which you won't understand until we get to it, and that is reduce your federal exclusion for the inheritance for the state tax or pay the state tax now. Most people just say, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to pay the tax now. I'll reduce my exclusion. And you'll see that exclusion is very, very generous. What did we say about tax avoidance versus tax evasion? Some, as we talked about in Chapter 10, some insurance agents will try, if you're in this lofty position where you have millions of dollars, tens of millions, um, will try to use whole life policies as a way to get around that. And the IRS catches you. Well, you won't know because you'll be dead. It doesn't happen until after you die. Um, if you're really in this situation where you have millions of dollars, it's time to start giving back to the community. There was just, it was just I wish I, I should go find it and put it in this, this chapter. A gentleman who was a billionaire, and he said after he retires, he's going to work to give it all away. And he's finally given his everything except for $2 million. Uh, he's given hundreds of millions of dollars away, billion dollars away. And now he's at age 90 and he has $2 million left to, to keep him for the rest of his life. So pretty cool, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's very different than some families we know. Okay, wait, um, uh, this is the bugaboo. If you did not do good estate planning and you are in this situation where you have hundreds, tens of millions of dollars, you might find that your heirs have to sell um, assets. They, they trot out the Republicans mostly. I apologize, but it's the Republicans who do it. They trot out this example of somebody who has this farms, but in the far, this farm has been in the family for generations, and now they have to sell the farm to pay the estate taxes. Wrong. I don't know. Unless the farm, the land is worth tens of millions of dollars, they're, they're not going to have to sell the farm to pay any estate taxes. They're just not going to be hit with them. Because here it is, folks. In 2017, the exclusion was almost five and a half million. And then they tried to kill it. The Republicans tried to kill the estate tax in 2017, but instead were only able to double the exclusion. This is, you might hear of Susan Collins. She was really big on not getting rid of the entire exclusion, but just, okay, we'll double it. So in other words, if you're single in 2020, and you have less than $11,580,000 in assets, it goes up every year with inflation, then you don't pay any estate taxes whatsoever. However, if your assets are more than that, then you're going to start getting hit with the estate tax, which I think starts at 28%, and then goes to 35 and then goes to 40 And why do we have an estate tax? Some people say, it's my, should I be giving this to the government? Look, as we said back in Chapter 3, you know, you're not alone. This is... This is this 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 society. Taxes are a a a, a the price we pay to live in the in in a uh, or civilized society. And this society has helped you has has created an environment where you have created a whole lot of assets. It's time to give back. Winston Churchill, that incredibly communist Bolshevik liberal. No, he he wasn't. He was a conservative, describes the estate tax as a certain corrective against the development of a race of idle rich, which I think is a really good description. It will affect about 1900 
of the 2.8 million projected deaths in 2020. You see how many few people are actually affected by this? And this quote is wonderful. It's attributed to a gentleman by the name of Alberto Moravia, Moravia, but it's also attributed to Charles Lindbergh. I don't know who said it. You, you decide. Our ideals, laws, and customs should be based on the proposition that each generation in turn becomes the custodian rather than the absolute owner of our resources. And each generation has an obligation to pass this inheritance on to the future. There's a there's a there was a tribe that had the seventh generation. In fact, they now you see a there's a um, a brand name called Seventh Generation, where they said, you know, I'm here because what seven generations before me planned for, and I am planning now for seven generations after me. So that's a great way of thinking about our possessions, right? They're not really ours. They we're we're the stewards. We're 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 taking care of them to pass them on to the next generation i like that so are you going to be affected by the estate taxes i don't think so but if you are if you start a business and all of a sudden become super wealthy you'll have plenty of lawyers to help you okay <laughs> but most of us no 59 speaking of inheritances the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of the world will begin shortly over the next 40 50 years 41 trillion dollars will be passed through three generations. 6 trillion dollars in taxes, but only a small number of states will be affected. Many of these are in the tens, now hundreds of billions of dollars. So Mr. Bezos has a problem, a very you know, very champagne problem. What do you do with what I think it was what last time it was like 180 billion dollars. What do you do with all that? Well, if you're the one gentleman, you give it away by the time you're, or, well, in your much later years. Um, I liked um, uh, Warren Buffett. He said, look, while I'm alive, he's only worth, what, 60 billion or whatever, 70 billion. Oh, only 70. <laughs> um, he used to be the world's richest man. He's not anymore. He said, look, while I'm alive, I'm good at raising capital. I'm good at creating wealth. So when I pass away, my wife, who's into the philanthropic things, who's, who's the philanthropist, she can give it all away. Well, sadly, his wife passed away first. And so he said, okay, I'll give it away now. So now he's giving it, and believe it or not, he's giving it to Bill Gates's <laughs> uh, foundation. Why? Because they have a, this already, why should he start his own foundation when Bill Gates already has this huge foundation, you know, helping with uh, schools and, and vaccines and what else does he help with? Clean water around the world. So there you go. It's time to give back. And two-thirds of this inheritance will go to people who are already wealthy. Are you getting any? I'm not getting any. Anyway. So if you're one of the lucky ones who will be the recipients of an inheritance, how do you deal with a windfall? We've already made mention with this. You suddenly receive 300000 or $500,000 or $800,000. $1.2 you think you are now one of the rich and wealthy and you're set for life. Or are you the average Joe or Jane lottery winner whose life was ruined by winning the lottery has become a cliche. And as we said, then this was another one I wish I had saved. I forget if she was 27, I think 24 when she won 800,000. She was a secretary, administrative assistant, and she was either 24 or 27. And three years, 800,000 was gone. 
three years. Now, what if she had taken Business 121 and learned how to build a, a, uh, a her own annuity and, you know, basically create a, a lifetime income for herself? No, she took her friends and family to Disneyland for one week and spent $40,000 in one week. <sighs> and then there's the gentleman who won, I think, $200 million and gave a lot of it to his granddaughter who then died of an overdose from yes so what would you do with a windfall well here's my advice for what it's worth change your lifestyle very little be careful of acquiring a sense of responsibility for family and friends or even strangers they will often expect you to share your windfall with them a friend of mine who rides bikes i ride a lot of bikes uh won two hundred thousand, which you know just a lot of money and uh, in the lottery and his daughter first words of her, of her mouth was well how much are you going to give me and he said none of it and he did not he did this he didn't he changed his lifestyle very little consider not touching the money for six months find a trusted financial advisor whatever you do realize that this is it dear students this is the one and only inheritance you will receive from your dear grand aunt trudy don't squander it <laughs> <laughs> so what is the final instruction regarding estate planning and for business 121 financial planning and money management fall 2020 go see a lawyer get a good refer reference right okay okay wow we're done we're done dear students and i am so proud of you i am so happy that you've made it with us through COVID and through the election and what else, you know, many of you are, you know, lost your jobs and oh my goodness and getting the kids to sit still while they're on Zoom watching their teacher who's trying to keep, <laughs> yeah, you've done it. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you and I am humbled and honored to have been your instructor along this journey because I like to begin at the end and end at the beginning. Do you remember this slide from chapter one, our very first slide? It is a gloomy moment in history. Never has the future seemed so dark and incalculable. The United States is beset with racial, industrial, and commercial chaos drifting we know not where of our troubles. No one can see the end. It was written in 1847, <laughs> but as we've seen, I want to give you a different perspective. It is a fortunate moment in history. Never has the future seemed so bright and promising. The United States is the most racially diverse, industrially strong, and commercially prosperous nation in the history of the world. Of our continued success, no one can see the end. Who said this? Me! <laughs> no! Thank you all for a great semester. Don't be a stranger. Please come visit us again. We wish you all the best of, of luck and success. We love to hear how our students are succeeding. And, you know, assuming I'm alive still, Wonder Professor will be there. You can always come back and real you know oh my goodness now i need life insurance let's go, go let's go look at that that chapter 10 presentation again okay because uh all of us at southwestern are incredibly grateful honored privileged that you've been here 
And now it's your turn to evaluate me. <laughs> There'll be a uh, anonymous uh, 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 web doohickey or whatever you want to call it called uh, uh, Padlet. And you can just write what you feel. I, I have some questions for you, but you don't have to go. You can just evaluate me in any way, shape, or form. Any part of the any part of the uh, the uh, the class, the assignments, the presentations, the commentaries, the answer keys, anything, anything um, uh, that that pertains to the class that you believe would make it a better class. Cool, because as we said, we wanted this to be the best class you've ever taken. We've done our best to make that true, and we we hope that this class is one of those classes. I know for me, I can remember a few classes that 10, 20, 30 years later, I looked back on and said, you know that this class really helped me in this crazy, um, uh, scary, joyful, absurd, bizarre, sad uh, uh, journey that we call life. Thank you very much, dear students. We wish you the best of luck and success. Don't be a stranger. Come visit us again. You know how to get in touch with me.